You are listening to the 90 Days Later podcast with Anna Charles, episode 45. Welcome to the 90 Days Later podcast, where I show you how to stop over drinking in 90 days without missing out on life. If you're not an alcoholic, but fed up with saying yes to a drink when you mean to say no, you're in the right place. Hi all and welcome back. So today I want to talk about the emotion of feeling calm. Now a recent podcast I did was on the topic of drinking to relax and it's super super important topic because one of the reasons we want to relax is to achieve a sense of calm right so relaxation and calm really go hand in hand for many people I think and myself included and in fact one of the big reasons why I used to drink was to actually achieve the feeling of calm right I'd reach for the glass of white and Every time I did that, pretty much instantly, I'd feel that sense of peace and calm flood over me. At that point in time, it didn't matter what had happened at work during the day, however stressful it had been. It didn't matter if the children were in a full ratty mood as I got home. I just feel this sense of tranquility come over me. Only temporarily, of course, but still, that was what I was aiming for. I just wanted relief in that moment. And this desire for calm was actually another reason why I would sometimes drink before I would go out to an evening event, right? So that's not one where I was looking to to calm down after uh, the end of a busy day, but actually to get myself ready to go out. And this was the case, especially for events I wasn't looking forward to. And I used to have a big corporate job, had hundreds of people reporting to me and was responsible for working with many hundreds more reseller partners and customers and you know part of the job was going out doing the meeting and greeting and the schmoozing and it wasn't always something I particularly relished right I'm an introvert by nature so I could get pretty wound up beforehand at the idea of meeting lots of people especially people I didn't know or didn't know very well so at last would often just settle my nerves and I do recall really having this contemplation as to whether you know, it was a bad thing. I was very judgmental in those days. It was a bad thing that I needed to really sort of somehow get a sense of calm before going out into what I would often see as being the storm. But what I've come to realise is that that desire, that desire for peace and to feel just more tranquil within myself is actually a very human need. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to focus in on the calm on calm being the thing and in fact I'm going to talk about the importance of calm to us as human beings right just in in our human experience of life as well as in the transformation as you change your relationship with alcohol because feeling calm is the key to stopping over drinking with ease Making this transformation, changing your view of alcohol, changing how you drink is not always easy. You'll hear me say that a lot. But making it a struggle is entirely optional. And if you aim for calm, then you're aiming for ease. So what do I mean by calm? 
I'm not talking here about some unrealistic version of calm with rainbows and daisies all day or even you know the sense of us walking through a field of sunflowers like in that old Cadbury's Flake advert from the 1980s. We're kind of drifting through life in this haze of wonderment and everything goes your way and no crosswords are spoken and all the rest of it. Mm -mm. Calm you see has a spectrum from zero to 100%. There are days when I feel anxious. I just wake up and I've just got a sense it's going to be a day of anxiety. But if I find that I can let in a smidgen of calm, even just 10% of my day, it actually changes my whole day. Whereas on other days, I'm going to feel 95% calm. And then those days, actually, they're fab. I feel limitless, untouchable. I'm kind of on top of the world. So that's what I want to offer first. We're all human. Some days the calm spectrum is going to be lower and other days it's going to be higher. And that's perfectly okay. But the important takeaway here is that it's entirely possible to allow in calm even on the days when most of your time is filled with other emotions, maybe emotions you, you know, don't readily welcome in when you're feeling anxious or restless or frustrated. Yes, even on those days, you know the ones I'm talking about. And the reason that this is possible, and this really is the most brilliant news, is that calm is 100% an inside job. You can find calm in any situation, in any circumstance, without exception. But as we go through life, and especially if we go through life not really managing our mind or appreciating the power that is the brain that we have, we get so unused to doing things that we find hard. And so often when we find things hard, we give up trying. We see something as being hard as a stop sign. And this is especially the case when we feel entitled. So if we say things like, I deserve to feel calm at the end of the day. If you'd had my kind of day, you'd understand what I mean. It's not fair. And now you're telling me I have to actually do some work to feel calm. I just can't, you know, rely on this white wine thing. We act out as if we're the victim of our circumstances and we reach for the wine to create an artificial and immediate sense of calm. Though ironically, I'm going to offer that this only takes us further from achieving a sense of what I'll call natural calm that will last permanently. Or at least that you can call on without any external outside crutches. One of the reasons why achieving a sense of calm can seem like such a wispy, faraway dream is that we spend so little time hanging out there. It's almost as though it doesn't really have a place in modern life where being busy is seen as a badge of honour. Just think about that for a moment. People will ask you, how's life? And then you often get the response, well, I'm so busy or I'm so stressed or I've got so much on my plate and I'm, I'm spinning my wheels. Even if you really don't, right? If you could honestly say, is that you? It's interesting when we answer that question, right? Because we are putting over what we think people want to hear. It's equally or maybe even more interesting if you answer that question to someone with, I'm not that busy, really. Just wait and watch for their confused face, right? It's kind of this reaction. Your reaction is inter interrupting the natural uh, course of play. It's interrupting the conversation. It's not expected. It's totally interesting. Now, when I answer that question by saying I'm not that busy, you know, sometimes I truly am not. I don't set out to have some hyper mad schedule. 
being alive and present and you know really enjoying the moments is what I aim for and I, I do sometimes like to work super super hard in a very intense way that also gives pleasure so I do sometimes you know I'm not always that busy however at other times I might just just for the fun of it say now I'm not that busy just because I want to evaluate the response and it's always fun to try and tell what they're thinking they're along the lines of I sometimes guess well something has gone wrong has she lost her job has she become someone who just lounges around all day what makes her become so lazy what makes her different is she all right so those are the thoughts I like to think I like to imagine are fleeting through that person's brain as they're looking at me in a rather confused manner but what I want to ask is why this societal fixation with being busy why it's there and with us being on the go it means that as we go through life especially if you're a high achiever what it presents is that we have a lot of emotions around being productive and performing well under pressure and striving for our best there's a lot of emotion around anxiety we hang out every day with feeling overwhelmed or stressed or restless or rushed or unsettled right that becomes our day-to-day life these emotional states become increasingly familiar to us and then our brain whose sole job is to work for our survival says well you're still alive today and you've been having all these emotions so it seems like we're doing our job right and so it continues we continue to live in those emotional states we get used to those emotional states they become so familiar to us because that's what we're used to feeling it's very simple And then what we do is we kind of dress it up for ourselves. We tell ourselves that we do well under pressure. I mean, I spent years and years saying I perform well if you give me more stuff to do at the same time, right? Don't give me, don't keep me not busy. If you want the best out of Anna, give her a load of stuff that has to happen all at the same time with a tight deadline, right? That was a story I believed and reinforced over years. So when we do things like that, we spend most of our time in rushed and urgent and exhausted energy. These are survival emotions, tense emotions that are only meant for us to be spending a limited amount of time in them, right? Because they are exhausting. This is why burnout comes into play. Our bodies were designed to feel the majority of the time to be in the present, right? Our brain is searching for a stronger balance of relaxation versus stress to feel more emotions like joy and compassion and relaxation and calm and peaceful and to be present. These can become more and more unfamiliar to us though the more busy we get. But these emotional states, these ones of joy and peace and calm and so on, are essential to our lives as humans. They are what allow us to repair ourselves, to repair our bodies, for our brain to prune unwanted and unneeded neural networks, like the ones that gear us up towards drinking but when we spend most of our time in buzzy survival energy no wonder we reach for the drink and food yes the same applies here with overeating no wonder we say things like I can finally relax when I get the glass I just want no one to talk to me just give me my wine I just want to zone out and have some me time When we're searching for temporary relief, we're going to go to the booze every time if we're used to doing that, right? Because the alcohol is going to allow our body and brain to feel a little bit more relaxed. I hear it day in, day out from my clients. I also hear the phrase, the expression, but it tastes so good. 
But anytime you're actually saying that, I want to offer what you're really saying is the temporary relief from survival emotions feels so good. Now stop and think about that for a moment. Actually, you, you might want to actually try that the next time you're drinking. And if you find yourself wanting to say, oh, this tastes so good, replace that with, oh, this temporary relief from survival emotions feels so good. And then ask yourself how that statement makes you feel. And you're probably going to think, yeah, sounds a little bit silly when you put like that, right? But that's what we're thinking. That's what we're telling ourselves. But I digress. Right. So what I want to offer here is that one of the reasons why we so readily look towards things like wine and other artificial pleasures to escape these tense uh, emotional states, it's really because we're human. This is a, a human capacity. Our brain is searching for much needed calm. Right. It's all to do with the human experience. But rather than just saying, well, I just need to be calm and, you know, reaching for the for the alcohol and pushing through it and drinking over it, I want to offer, let's think about why we're even here as humans. What is our purpose? What is your purpose? You can answer that question however you want in a million different ways. And I bet most of you listening will have a different version of it that's true for you. But I bet with some level of high certainty that not one of you will answer the question as to why you're here, what's your purpose, is to say, answer it by saying, I'm here to feel rattled all the time. Yep, that's what we end up doing. It's nuts. But to get off the hamster wheel of drinking whenever you feel you're feeling stressed and busy and rushing and frustrated and frazzled, the answer is to be able to process the emotions, right? And without worrying what's in your glass. That, my friends, is the solution. You'll notice I didn't say that the solution was to just stop feeling anxiety or avoiding frustration or distracting yourself from how bad you're feeling day in, day out. I didn't say remove people from your life who you think stress you out or I didn't ask you to, in fact, change anything about the circumstances in the outside world because none of that will work anyway. Because life is 50-50, there are going to be times when you just don't feel so good. It's just the way it is. And there are going to be times when you're feeling frazzled, but actually feeling frazzled can be totally appropriate and it can even feel good, right? I love Christmas. I love, for years, I have loved the run up to Christmas. And especially when my children were young, it was one of intense activity with lots of to-do lists and lots of you know recipes and baking and cooking ahead of time and all these things. And yet I loved every second of it. I could be up until midnight, you know, preparing the gravy the night before and loved it because for me, such intense, busy activity was part of the pleasurable anticipation of Christmas. So I took that in a slightly different direction there by showing actually that an emotion that we might label as being negative, being feeling frazzled, um, that it actually can be positive too. And it just depends on how you look at it. But let's step back into the zone of the main podcast topic here. And let's say even if you feel, let's say you feel frustrated having to do tons of stuff on that lead up to Christmas. And if you don't see that as a good thing, right, frazzled in that sense is not good for you. Learning how to process that frustration and that frazzlement, if that's a word, into a sense of calm is a skill that will change your life. Right. And that's going to have nothing to do with drinking. 
This is just about how you process emotion and how you move through your life. Now, this will take practice. To start with, you may not even be able to access how you're actually feeling. You might not even be able to you know, put it into words. You just know it's not calm, all right? That's where you may be starting. So that's perhaps your first step. Get to know yourself a bit more and recognised where you're in a, in a frustrated or anxious or frazzled state. And then when you know where you are, you can allow yourself to be present with that emotion and you can stay present with it. And the only way you're going to be able to stay present is to knock on the head anything you're doing to escape your emotions, such as drinking and over drinking or overeating or over shopping, if there is such a thing, or over scrolling on your phone, right? Any of these uh, buffering escapism activities to avoid you feeling the emotion that is in your body. Because you have to come face to face with doing the work doing the work to feel the emotion and reach a sense of calm for yourself. It's a skill you can learn, but you can't get better at something that you'd never do. And if you want to get good at your life, you're going to have to get good at the 50% that feels terrible. So now you might be saying, so how do I do this, Anna? Sounds good. Want to get started. Okay, well, you know me, I like to give you some homework on the regular. So what I've offered is that knowing how to allow calm into your body, even if you feel panic or frantic or rushed and overwhelmed, is really key. It's a key life skill and it's a key skill in achieving a change in your relationship with ease. It's also accessible to you right now, right today, right now listening to this podcast, right? You don't need to be a meditation master to allow calm into your body and you don't need to take yourself off to some fancy spa for me time. You don't need to do any of those things. You can create calm with your mind by the thoughts you choose to think. Breathe in and remind yourself of who you are. I am the creator of my own calm. Take deep breaths in and out as you think these thoughts. So that's one option. Here's another. This is the emotion of anxiety I'm feeling right now. I am the one creating it and I am the solution to it. Wine will not solve this feeling. This is not a problem I need to solve right now. And the more you feel in control of your own calm and generating this for you, for generating it for yourself by processing the other emotions all the way through until they dissipate and you're left with that sense of peace and calm, the less desire you're going to have to overdrink because it just won't be seen as something that's necessary in your life. It's just something that you don't do. So calm is key. Choose the calm. Calm is the thing. In summary, we weren't put on this earth to frazzle ourselves to such an extent that we rely on artificial pleasures like a daily glass of wine or two to bring us a sense of calm. We have the wherewithal and the ability to do that for ourselves. By getting to know ourselves, to feel our emotions, to really understand what's going on when we reach for the glass, to know that we can change our experience for ourselves at any moment, that we have total control over that. So give this a go. 
start today. It's something you're likely to have to practice, right? This is not a one and done thing. But the more time you spend in the space of calm, the easier you'll find to access that feeling on demand because it's going to become more and more familiar, right? And the more familiar something is, the quicker we get at accessing that. And your brain will learn that that's how you want to run the show. Okay, that's it for this week. So this podcast is coming out in October and I hope by now that all of you have signed up for Sober October with Anna Charles as we go through a very different version of Sober October without you know, counting days sober and without lots of deprivation and all the rest of it. If you haven't yet done so and you want to find out what's going on, you can sign up at 90dayslater.co forward slash list, which will give you access to my email list and then you know, all the previous recordings and so on. I'll make you aware of those and you can join in. And if you want to do that and you also want to have a friend come along, encourage them to sign up too. So do sign up for Sober October with Anna Charles. But in the meantime, if you are you know, basically finished with your current relationship with alcohol, if you want to break up with it and you want to make the change and you want to make it fast, working with a coach is the way to do it, right? I can show you the way. I can show you your blind spots. I'll show you what you need to hear to grow, which won't always be what you want to hear. That's what a coach does over a friend. If you want to get started and you want to learn what this might mean for you. You can get started right away by booking a free call with me. Go to 90dayslater.co and on the top you'll see a big blue button. Book a call, click on that, choose the time that works for you. If you don't find one that works in your time zone, just send me an email at anna at 90dayslater.co and I'll make this work. Okay, that's it and I'll see you next week. If you like what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take the work further and achieve total freedom around alcohol, let's talk. I help my clients stop reaching for that first glass of wine the moment 6pm rolls around and they don't miss out on life. And we do it in 90 days. The effect is permanent. Email me for more information on anna at 90dayslater.co. And if you did enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and review to help others find the 90 Days Later podcast.